This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening once again. The Golden Edge podcast time, letting you know everything that's going on with the Golden Knights in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, bringing you all the information you need to know. Adam Hill, Ben Goetz, as usual, Dave Shane, back once again. Thanks for joining us again, sir. You must not hate us as you are here talking to us once again about what's going on in the Golden Knights. I thought last week after the Calgary-Denver debate that we'd never hear from you again. You'd just be out, but uh, good to see you again. Oh, you know, the Chamber of Commerce, I didn't hear from either city. I figured I'd get, like, you know, free tickets or something and... You know, be able to like write stories and and expand on this theory I have. But I didn't nothing. Wanna, I didn't want to tell you this, and I didn't tell you off the air. But I'll say somebody actually came to me and said, "No, they are like sister cities." I said, "Oh no, I don't want to talk about this." Yeah, take uh, that. Yes, but you are somewhat, thanks, random guy. Somewhat correct about that. We'll, we'll try to avoid the Denver Calgary argument as we go on. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, back in studio this week, we're at City National last week, and hopefully. Uh, we can be back there and get you guys to come down, ask questions, and hang out with us on the podcast. Hit us up. Let us know uh, if you want to be down there and hanging out with us. So we'll uh, take that into consideration, certainly, uh, in the future. And if you are listening, please like, comment, subscribe, all of those things wherever you find a podcast. And uh, we appreciate that. Uh, but we are getting ready once again to count down to the playoffs, the season down into the home stretch, and the Golden Knights – we're in San Jose this week. A lot of storylines coming out of that I thought uh, that are interesting because it's starting to look like a little bit more that it's going to be Vegas and San Jose in the first round. Uh, San Jose now behind by three points in the standings as Calgary is uh, is getting closer to trying to get that division title. San Jose has some easier games coming up, but they're not really uh, playing at their best right now, uh, certainly with uh, Carlson not out there for them. So starting to look more and more like it could be Sharks Knights. And, you know, I was up there, and, uh, Ben, it was a wild game, a wild atmosphere, uh, not like an over-the-top like you know crowd, but I think the, the action on the ice was really kind of over-the-top, especially in the first period. And I was thinking as as I watched it, yeah, this would be pretty fun for, you know, five, six, seven games. Oh, absolutely. That first period, I think, was everything you want as a fan. Not everything you want if you're a fan of good goaltending, I should add, because uh, there was some uh, yeah. interesting decisions made by both goaltenders early on in the game. But I thought the action was great. There's some physical there, play there, too, where, of course, Haley is trying to get into it with Ryan Reeves, and Reeves is uh, not getting dragged into that fight, which I thought was great theater as well. I, I do think that was int- First of all... We can we should agree, I think, and it's it was certainly my theory. I tweeted it. You should be allowed to just pull somebody off the bench to fight them. Like, I would I be think here for a rule that says that. That should be absolute. It, it, it's like it's like a red <laughs> rover. Like send this guy over. 
Like, yeah, I want to fight you. I'm pulling you off the bench. And if you – That was a great rhyme. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, I, think that sh- I think that should happen. What's wrong with that? I don't know. Yeah, we might as well just go back to like the line brawls and stuff like we had a few years ago, right? I'm certainly all for that. Yeah. But I, I, think, just I think if you – on- I'm kind of surprised. I'm pretty surprised Reeves didn't go at it. But, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. So, So I actually was on Twitter with this too. I will compliment him because I think there's an art to knowing when and when not to fight. And a guy that's been in the league and kind of been doing this for for nine years, you can tell he understood the flow of the game at that point. I think if I – and you guys can correct me on this, but I think Jones had already been pulled at that point. They already had – around then. Okay, so so they they had hung like two or three goals on him at that point. You as a player to to be – have your blood going and – get caught up in the moment and still be aware enough to go, we're winning this game. We're kicking their butt if we keep this five on five. Why am I going to, you know, get caught up in his stuff? Why am I going to like resort to what Haley wants? Why am I going to get baited? And that's maybe the difference between a guy like him that's been around for a long time versus a young guy in that situation who's just, you know, going to drop the gloves and swing on any, you pulled me off the bench, you know, how dare you, whatever. But Reeves just like, We'll talk about this later today, but he just smiled and he laughed and, you know, it's just what he kind of does. And I thought that game could have gone a different way had Reeves, I think, got caught up in it and and it was teetering on, you know, getting into, you know, high emotion and things like that. He let that game settle down and then obviously he let his team take over and get two points. That was a big two points for them. Yeah, I agree because I think it was very obvious how much Haley – wanted to get pulled into a fight at that point like he was begging literally like ever did everything but get on his knees and beg ryan reeves to like throw a punch at him so i I did respect reeves for having the restraint to be like no like i see what you're doing here my team is better than yours and we're gonna figure this out without stopping the game here for you know two minutes and maybe disrupting my team's momentum so i thought that was a heady play on reeves part i I will also give him i i my critique wasn't of him not having a not making a smart move and not getting sucked in, suckered into it. My critique is, is of, come on, this is what we want to see. We we, we want that fight to happen. <laughs> Just go. Just it still might in the playoffs. I mean, ever since when when the Sharks traded for Michael Haley at the trade deadline, the first thought was, okay, March eighteenth, March thirtieth. That's what this is for. Yeah. This is to combat Ryan Reeves. And, you know. That, Michael Haley had been building up three weeks to this game, and I'm going to fight him, and I'm going to go after him, and that's why he was in the lineup. There, there's no doubt. I mean, I, w- without looking at what Pete DeBoer could have put out there, I don't know who else was hurt and available, but there, there's a very specific reason that you know he was in the lineup that night doing so, what he's doing, you know? Yeah. I, I wanted to get your guys' take because you know, being in the arena, and I will say I, I completely misread – uh, what Gallant would think about it. And uh, you know, I had to kind of scramble late as I worked on my story because of it. I, I What my thought was, Gerard Gallant probably hated the first period, but loved the way they played the rest of the way and responded to that. Now, he disagreed and said, no, I love the first period too. That didn't seem like his type of, of game for the most part. Uh, to me, uh, being in there, I don't know what it looked like on TV. It just seemed like so chaotic on the ice that I think as a coach, you're looking at that and saying, like, uh, no, we don't want that. But he said, hey, it was the second end of a back-to-back. Things get a little wild sometimes, but we we settled down. We took the lead. I like that. 
It didn't seem like that to me, but that's what that's exactly what he said. He said I'm sure he really liked those last two periods where they played pretty well. Yes. And to be fair to him, one of those goals that Malcolm Subban gave, gave out, at least that is sticking in my mind, it's not like his team played poorly to give away that goal. Yeah. Uh, his goaltender on playing on the second night of back-to-back, playing both games on that back-to-back, let in one that he probably shouldn't have let in. So sure. I don't know how much he dings his skaters for that necessarily yeah. Uh, yeah. in terms of that chaotic structure because you know not a lot uh, – the defenseman can do about Subban letting in a softie. That's true. And it wasn't just the goals. Though. I mean, I, I just thought, like, being in there, and again, it, it it oftentimes feels different inside than it does on TV, I think. But it just it just seems so. I mean, I was incredibly entertaining. It was one of my favorite periods of hockey I've seen in two years. The, the uh, one thing that I thought was there had to be part of Gerard Gallant that was sitting there going, God, I want to be able to play in this game. True. Like, that was a Gerard Gallant game. You know, like a Gerard like, player game. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. 1986, right? Like Gerard Gallant from 1986 would have loved. Yeah. <laughs> he would have been out there like, you know, let's go. And, and he would have been battling in front of the net and throwing punches and elbows and, and probably everything else. But, but yeah, as a coach, I guess, you know what? If I really were, were able to like step back and look at it and go, yeah, we're on a back to back. We're in somebody else's building. And we came out and we hung three on him and we chased our goalie. And, yeah, maybe our goalie gave up one he probably wants back. And, yeah, maybe 30 seconds in we, you know, had a little mental lapse and weren't quite ready. But, you know, I think for the most part, if 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 you're able to look at that and, and he's able to do that, Gerard Gallant, with kind of a level, level-headed level view of it, you're probably going, all right, yeah, you know, we want to tighten up. but But I don't mind that too much, you know. Certainly, they. Were, I mean, they were on the the good side of it. They scored three, so I mean, I don't think he could be, you know, certainly too unhappy. But but yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. That especially after his comment the week before about well, I don't want us to be a high flying team. Right. That and then was all of a sudden, you're getting, yeah, yeah, that game, <laughs> that first period was 110 miles an hour. I mean, it was all over the place. So I'm totally, and we talked about it last week. You know, as a um, just strictly from a geographical standpoint, that's certainly the series I want to see. Uh, right now, it's looking like it will happen. I mean, they, they play again uh, in a couple of weeks, March 30th, and then the Flames and Sharks actually play the next night up there in San Jose. But, uh, Ben, the numbers right now would indicate this series is happening. Yeah, Hockey Reference's playoff simulator actually gives uh, this series basically a 100% chance of happening. That is insane to me. Like I, I was very surprised by that. Uh, the they give the Flames a 100% chance to win the division right now. What they do is they run a simulation a 1,000 times. So what they're saying is in their simulator, 1,000 times out of 1,000 right now, Calgary's winning the division. Now maybe tomorrow that changes and the Sharks get the division a couple times. But I will say the Knights actually helped push this series into an eventuality yeah. by winning that game yeah. because, of course, that brings the Sharks a little closer to their level and drags the Sharks further down behind the Flames. And it'll be interesting to see because, as we talked about, I would definitely take this over a playoff series. I think even the Knights would take this as a playoff series because I think they get excited by this matchup. And Jar Gallant said after the game, like, we match up well with this team. We both play well against each other. And they seem to bring out the best in each other, which makes for entertaining hockey. Yeah, I'm certainly down to see it. Now, if it does happen, and as you said, it's 100% on the simulator. It doesn't mean it's 100% in real life. Uh, We'll find out. But is that a series? I've thought for a while the Knights would rather play Calgary. That's what I thought. But I know watching them, they seem to have their number a little bit. They seem to play well against them. Certainly, you know, the one one of the big things you talk about with Calgary is the goaltending situation. It's not much better in San Jose right yeah, now. Martin Jones can't 
stop anything against the Knights. Now, I, I will say, talking to people up there, uh, the the thought is he's a playoff goalie. Like he'll be fine. I don't know. I don't know if you go in and just you're like, all right, we're fine. Doesn't matter. He can just give up as many goals as he wants. He'll be fine in the playoffs. It doesn't seem like the confidence level can be very high right now. I mean, I think the regular season, to be quite honest, for the most part, has just been outscore people. I mean, they're. Yeah. You know, you start delving into numbers and, you know, team save percentage and things like that. I mean, the Sharks are on the bottom end of the league. I mean, Martin Jones has got 34 wins. I think he's one behind Flurry. And you go, oh, well, you know, maybe he's a Vezina candidate. And then you look at his goals against you, you look at his save percentage. It's like, you know, I mean, it's almost like a backup goaltender when it, you know, when you get into some of the numbers and, and things like that. And you, you look a little deeper. So, I, I mean, if I'm in the Bay Area right now and I watch that game on Monday, I do not feel good because I question whether they have enough goal, you know, whether the Sharks have enough goaltending to go up against Flurry. Whether it's Dell, whether it's Martin Jones. I mean, I know there was a stat floating around. I think it was Martin Jones got pulled five times in 12 appearances against the Knights. You know, I mean, they have his number for, for whatever reason. And they play him again. I mean, I, I, if you're Peter DeBoer, who do you play in that game on the 30th? Like, do you put Martin Jones out there again and risk him getting shelled? Maybe just play six on five. Yeah, maybe. You know, <laughs> bring up the goalie from the Barracuda or something like that. Well, fortunately, just, they play in the same building. It's a right, pretty easy right. commute for him to come across. But, I mean, they, they run the risk right now of, like, completely frying him for a series going into well, it. Well, they also have to think, as, as I mentioned, it's a weird scheduling spot in that they, if they are still fighting for their vision, they play the Knights and then the, the Flames back-to-back at home that weekend. So, I mean, they, they also have to consider that of which game do you play which guy in. Right. There, there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, but, I you know, I wonder where their thought process is right now as far as, as we said, they've struggled against the Knights. It hasn't been great. But they also have guys out. So, I mean, it's not their full roster right now necessarily, or they, they did the other night. Uh, Carlson is a huge impact player who should be back. He was they're, – they're filming every time he steps on the ice and skates, which you know, I'd love to see some of that, some of that film. Uh, but it, it is – it isn't their full roster right now. So, and certainly Flurry was was out for the Knights as well. Right. I mean, the one thing I'll I'll say, I guess maybe the the counter to that is as long as Carlson's been out and then you've got whatever Pavelski's got going on right now where they said he's longer than day to day. I mean, okay, let's just say it's 2 weeks. Well, well now all of a sudden you're bumping up right toward the end of the regular season, and we've all seen it takes guys a little bit to get you know, back up to speed, up to pace, and whatever, a handful of practices, a game or two or whatever, whatever it might be, I don't think you as a as a coach, as a player or whatever, want to be in that situation going into the postseason. It's almost like if you're going to be hurt, you want to be hurt and coming back right now so that you've got a couple of weeks to kind of get everybody, you know, back integrated, get the chemistry back together and whatever because you're trying to fit those, those puzzle pieces back the way that they were a few weeks ago, it never seems to work that way. You almost It just feels like you got to be kind of going the way the Knights are going right now where you get everybody healthier and, and going. You know, maybe you, you toy a little bit with a line here, a guy there, have a little bit of competition. But but they pretty much have it set, I think, where they, where they want things going in, you know, April 9th, 10th, you know, whenever those playoffs start. I... Just comparing the two, the Sharks situation and the Knights, I, I would feel much better about the Knights, you know, situation going into the playoffs right now. And do you think, do you guys believe it's a better matchup than the Flames right now? 
I'm still not sure about that because we have to see the Sharks at full strength. We have to see what they could be with Pavelski, with Eric Carlson, and, you know, really gearing up for a playoff series. I think what's still potentially scary if you're the Knights is you do not have home ice advantage here. And that loss was only the Sharks' eighth regulation loss this season at home. Three in a row, right? I believe three in a row. Yeah. So it hasn't been good lately, but overall this season, they've been incredible at home. And if they're at full strength, I still think they have a lot of weapons that if you're the Knights that you can be fearful of. Their goaltending is a question, that's for sure. But as we're going to talk about a little bit later, the Knights' goaltender situation is at least a little bit of a question mark right now. We'll see if that gets solved in the next couple days. But that's an open question right now, too. I mean, I guess if it's me, as odd as this sounds, I think the Sharks are the better team, full strength. But I think I'd rather play the Sharks if I was the Knights right now. Um, as much as you love going to Calgary, yeah, yeah. As much as I love uh, yeah. my my Denver to the north, <laughs> um, there's something about Calgary. The way that one or two of the players were talking about how hard some of their defensemen made some things, how they forced them to dump the puck and kind of adjust. Um, and you don't hear the same types of things after they play the Sharks. I feel like there's there's a there's a respect factor from the players where I think if they were in a series with Calgary and it really got down to it and you know if Riddick's playing well and you take out all of those other you know maybe X factors in a series that we question marks that we would have now if those are all answered for Calgary they're dangerous Calgary's really dangerous um, that first line if Monahan's healthy and they got Goudreau and Lindholm, and they got Chuck on a second line, is as much firepower as the Sharks have and whatever, Cal- Calgary's really scary if they're if they're humming along. Um, I just feel like, you know, the emotion and things like that, the, the Sharks would be the team that I would want, you know, let's go right now. First round, bring it. I think, so I, I think fan, for the fans, San Jose is better. For us, <laughs> being selfish, San Jose is better. Uh, and it looks like now... Uh, you guys, you know, kind of believe we'll see how it plays off, but might be uh, a better matchup. But I, I, I think it was so it was so fun to watch. I think everybody would be uh, fine with it. In fact, I think I think I wrote even neutral observers. I think are like, let's have this series. I, I want to see uh, those two teams play, which could be very fun. We mentioned the questionable goaltending, Calgary and San Jose. Is there question marks about the goaltending in Vegas right now? Yes. Oh boy! No. <laughs> I'll stir it up right now. Yes, no. I, I just it's it's a it's a weird situation. Yeah, because yes. it came out of nowhere. Yeah. So I'm still kind of figuring out what to make of it. So as we know, Mark Andre Fleury is day to day with a lower body injury, so he did not play on that back to back against the Sharks or the previous day against the Edmonton Oilers. Malcolm Subban played both games, and we're not quite sure when he's going to be back. Gerard Gallant said he's not worried about it. Today, we're recording this on Wednesday. He said not really to expect Flurry tomorrow against the Winnipeg Jets, though. But he totally didn't rule out Flurry coming back sooner rather than later. And so his kind of overall optimistic tone has me, I guess, a little intrigued in that they're not very concerned that this is going to linger on into the playoffs, it seems like. I, I, was, I was full in on the conspiracy theories. The, the, the hey, he's, you know, his wife's having a kid. Let's just quietly pretend he has an injury. Let Subban play and let them have the kid and move on. But I'm the more I've talked to some people around the organization, I don't think that's the case. It's a it's a weird situation. What what do you think 
like the fake name would be that they check into the hospital under? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> like, she was like, because like, it's because it's flurry. Like he would come up with something like just bizarre, right? Yeah. Well, I think I actually think he would kind of screw over like a teammate as like a prank. Yeah, and he was like, like somebody's Nate, name, Nate Schmidt or yeah. something, in, in that way. Uh, yeah, I, I I mean, I was kind of with you on the conspiracy theories, to be quite honest. As far as like, oh, you know, just you know, give him a day or two here. Um, I think the optimism is probably warranted. Like, it can't be that bad. We saw him at the the team picture, you know, at T-Mobile sneaking around. And, you know, they tried to get him off the ice. But obviously, you know, Ben was pretty quick, got the video. <laughs> got to be quick. You, yeah, it's those millennials. They're, they're quick on the phone with the, the trigger finger there uh, getting, the, getting the photos and the videos. But, uh, I mean, obviously, like, if he's out there, like, it can't be that bad. Like, I, I mean, in, in terms of – would you think he's not going to be ready for the playoffs? I mean, he's got him. He's going to be ready for the playoffs. I, I can't imagine, unless there's some kind of crazy setback, you know, knock on wood or whatever. But at the same time, like you're fighting for at least at this point, you were fighting to keep Arizona at bay. You know, you're trying to get into, you know, maybe try to catch San Jose, put some pressure on them. Uh, the other thing is they play Winnipeg, and obviously we're taping this before. Winnipeg plays at Anaheim, but depending on what happens with that, if the Knights win on Thursday, I mean, they could be within one point of Winnipeg, where if they gets to the point where you're playing them in a conference final, you might have home ice. You know, so so there's stu- it, my my point with this is that there's stuff still that they're they're fighting for and playing for, and your number one goalie just all of a sudden goes, oh, he's day to day, like he was fine in Dallas. And I, you know, I, I talked to him the next day. Right. So he, he was fine in Dallas. Played all 60 minutes. You were minutes. there. Played all 60 minutes. Came back the next day. He was – it was an optional practice. He wasn't on the ice. But I talked to him and I walked – you can't tell anything necessarily. But, I mean, I walked up and down the hallway with him and there was no – there didn't seem to be any kind of an issue. And I, I also believe in that case he would not have been available if there was some serious injury that he was – he was working on. So I think you can be, you can at least have your, you know, like tone down the fear. Like I saw a lot of fear of like, is this serious going to linger on? Like, I just don't think those things would have been the case if there was a very, you know, a, a, a concerning injury that they're like, oh boy, how long is he going to be out for? There, there doesn't seem to be any fear among the team, I, I should say. No, like, not right yeah. now. I think the fear is at least somewhat natural because of course we've talked about this a lot this season of how much he's played how much they've relied upon him he is near like the top of the leaderboard in minutes played among goaltenders this season even though he's missed the last two games and you know they're playing for you know playoff seating a little bit as we just talked about but for the most part at least division wise they've been locked in for a while and they've still leaned on him quite a bit over two months, they've been in the three spot in the Pacific Division without going up or down anywhere. They've just been locked in for over two months. I mean, I mean the the weird thing, the reality, the irony, you know, whatever the right word for it is, is this is pretty much the perfect time to get him rest. Yeah. You know, like if you were going to get Malcolm Subban some games and and try to, you know, get Marc-Andre Fleury fresh for, for next month, this is like a great time to do it. But just the fact that they – and, and this is the other thing too. If you you know conspiracy theory, they were so specific with lower body, and they don't you know like we asked about Belmare today. What lower body, upper body? 
I was trying to throw no, him a bone. There wasn't right. even yeah, there wasn't even a no comment or anything. Right. It was just like a stare. It was nothing. Like I don't know. Yeah, I haven't gotten a report. You know, and they and he was ready when we you know when the flurry stuff came up the other day. It was he's lower body. They knew exactly what they were going to say. It was very specific. Well, you know, I think in that case, I, I my thought on that is it was a it was a move to say. Don't worry, it's not a concussion. And it wasn't. They didn't say it's lower body. They were announcing not concussion. <laughs> yeah, that's well, all. That's really with what him is probably you have to do yeah. every time. Yeah. yeah. So the, the the that's flurry day to day not concussion. Not concussion. Yeah. yeah in parentheses. That's, that's right. the injury report. So I mean, I think th- that's always the concern if flurry is not going to be around um, to just to say, hey, listen, this is not that. So even if I think even if it's arm or finger or something like that, they just go lower body. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Lower meaning under the neck. I mean, <laughs> yeah, not head. I think, I think that's <laughs> yeah. it. So, he didn't, didn't get smashed by uh, Jamie Benn or anything in Dallas. So yes. we, we will find out, you know, where where he stands. I, I, I think, you know, the there's so many conversations you could have about it of, you know, is it workload, those sorts of things. I, it's very tough to, to talk about that or to figure that out because we don't know what it is. We don't know what's going on. It's still – listen, it still could be the baby. Yeah. It still could. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to have a lot of people. I would not put it. it past George McPhee to go with the long con here. Yeah, and you know, running out for a week if he had to, yeah. you know, to uh, to make sure that they have the privacy that they need. <laughs> See it? We'll find out. But but you know, the the thought of we have to hide that they're having the baby, even though everybody knows they're having the baby, because we don't want uh, people showing up with balloons and stuffed animals and like throwing them into the room, is funny to me. That is still a funny thought. Even if it's not the case, it's still a great concept. I can see, the funny thing is I can see it. It's like it's one of those. It's funny because it's true. Yeah, you know, I and not, told, not a bad way. People, I'm sure, like it would be the best of intentions. Oh yeah, for but everyone. They, but they would be down there in their jerseys. Oh yeah, like with signs, flower. You know, yeah, it would be like baby it, flower. It would be like, yeah, it would be like warm ups. You know, <laughs> kind of a puck, the young flower. Like it, I don't know, is that not a thing? I'm getting a weird look. Uh, so yes, I, I think in that in that case. Uh, it's, it would be better to not have everyone in the world know. Uh, but, yeah, we will, we will try as, as hard as we can to get updates uh, on what exactly is going on with Flurry. But right now, day-to-day, most likely not playing against Winnipeg. But uh, the, the answer was we'll see how he feels tomorrow. I mean, I don't think there was any well, – That's optimistic, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not like, no, he's not playing. So, But the, the, then you start thinking, are, are they just ca- choosing their words carefully every day to say – Hey, we'll say this to make it seem like it's not that bad, but really, we know he doesn't feel well. You, like you just got like Illuminati running yes. through your head with this, yes. don't you? Yeah. Well, yes. With in a in a George McPhee organization, I think you have to. Yeah. No, that's I think fair. you have to start thinking about what everything means. I, I do say this though, in in all seriousness, I go back to what I said earlier about wanting to be at your best going into these things, and if he's getting rest and whatever, yeah, that's one thing, but. The other side of this too is if he's hurt and he's out a couple of weeks, you know, and then you're not playing for anything in that last week, and maybe he's not in there. Like, how sharp is he going to be yeah. for that first round? You, you know, for that first round series, you, you want to make sure whatever you do, he's the guy you got to make sure is ready to go. I mean, as as important as Stone and all these other people are and whatever. Like, if he's not ready that April 9th, tenth first round. You know, crazy, just off the rails. Which I it, believe me. I mean, it's it's going to sound silly asking it, but just to say it, they win every game the rest of the year, and Flurry's not there. 
Do that? What do you mean? Like if they, they win every game the rest of the year with Subban and Net, who starts game one in the playoffs if Flurry's healthy? Still Flurry. That locker room just believes in him way too much. I, I mean, I agree. What I'm saying is, like, I know it's a crazy thought to even have, but how could how difficult would that be to to say, yeah, hey, we've won every single game since he got hurt, and then go back to Flurry, and then you lose? What's the reaction? Yeah, you're nuts. <laughs> You're nuts. It would be. It would be. Well, a, okay. It would have to be. A I thought. mean, if I, I know it's not the same thing, but Grubauer started for Washington last year, the first couple games. Yeah. I mean, he beat out Holpe. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Holpe wins him a Stanley Cup. I don't think it's unheard of. I mean, you ride the hot hand, right? But yeah. And not that. I, I mean, and not the way that Subban has played. Like he's won the games. It hasn't been that he's been, you know, shutting down and you right. know, two back-to-back shutouts. But all of a sudden, it, those things do become tough decisions to be made. I expect Florida to be back at some time very soon. I don't think it's an overly serious thing, and uh, we will monitor it and let you know what is going on with him. But with the Golden Knights, it has been the Stone Age. It's been an unbelievable run, 9 out of 10 since acquiring Mark Stone. We've talked about it ad nauseum. It's not all about Mark Stone, but Mark Stone, absolutely, his presence has changed a lot of things about this team, and they are playing really, really well since he's been here, 9 out of 10 Games they have won uh, since acquiring him. It's been quite a ride for the Knights. Absolutely. His line's playing outstanding. Him, Paul Stasny, and Max Pacioretty are clicking. Stone's got eight points in ten games, which is outstanding. I believe that's the best points per game on the team. But more than that, I mean, the first line is playing outstanding. They had ten points combined in that win is against that the Sharks. It's slightly good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's only the fourth uh, time this season that all three of them have had multi-point games in the same game, and that's the second straight game, too, because they also did it against the Oilers. So all of a sudden, they seem to be peaking at the right time. So we got that line going, and then that Stasny, Pacioretty, Stone line going. There's very few other teams that can compete with that kind of top lineup power in the playoffs. I'll be the uh, I'll be the wet blanket on all of this. Oh actually. boy! Oh boy! So the the one that I'm very curious to watch is more of a wet blanket than than creating a goalie controversy. <laughs> hey, you did that. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, you have to top that now. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll put this into everybody's head: is how happy is Alex Tuck right now? Because if you're Alex Tuck, you pretty much carried this team offensively for like you know two plus to going on three months, where he was a leading scorer. When March still wasn't doing a whole heck of a lot, and Carlson, you know, Alex Tuck was the 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 guy who was, you know, making sure that they were winning games in December and and getting enough goals. And now all of a sudden he's getting third line minutes. Now I I understand he's a team guy and he understands, you know, look, the benefit of this is the matchup completely changes. They killed Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver didn't have anything close to a third line that can match up with with Eakin and Tuck and. I don't remember if it was no sick. It was no sick. It was no sick that night. Yeah. Thank you for that. I got you. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, you know, and so if they're going to get matchups like that, then Tuck's going to benefit and he's going to be happy. But, you know, just in terms of ice time, just in terms of a guy that, I mean, if I'm in his shoes, I look at, I, I look at other things like, okay, if I'm in my, my job and I'm an accountant and, and I want to move up in my company and there's two guys blocking me, like, cause they're really good, which now Mark Stone and basically as long as Riley Smith, is on that first line clicking. There's not. There's nowhere for him to really go. So, I think you're kind of teetering maybe a little bit on on how happy Alex Tuck is going to be in this situation. But like I said, he's a team guy. Well, in the he, end, he's he understands the benefit of. He also of, he also in you know 
sorry to you know to put it to in this terms to people that are listening that don't really want to you know feel this way, but it is a business, and they they understand that. So, if Alex Tuck was two years away from free agency and was in this situation, it would be a lot different than being locked up. Like he knows that he's going to be here. He knows he's going to have this amount of money. True. Like by the time, who knows what this team looks like by the time his contract's over. So I I think it's a lot easier to accept now than it would be at another time in his career. If he's like, if if these next two years, if I'm not, if I'm playing third line minutes and not putting up the production I want to put up, I'm not going to get the kind of contract I want for him. It's like, Hey, I'm here, you know, five years from now, if I'm starting to starting to think about the end of my contract, I'm sure I'm going to be in a different role and putting up a lot better uh, numbers, numbers certainly still matter to you. Yeah, and, but, and again, this is me just throwing stuff at this. Of is course, it, it's not that, him. He didn't come yeah, out and yeah, say anything. Yeah, this is nothing that he's ever you know said and whatever. Yeah. But uh, so so again, I'll, I mean, the counter to that, I guess, I, I would say is that he's what forty eight, forty nine, close to fifty points. Yeah, around you there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's basically more a matter of like he slumped recently. But what did he do to deserve that? I mean, he played really well all year, and and you'd feel like. You know, just as a player, you're like you're up and coming. You're on an upward ascension. You know, you you want more minutes. You want to keep proving and and you know, kind of moving up in the lineup. I guess you know. So now all of a sudden they go and get this guy, and kind of the only spot for him is third line. Now, uh, again, Cody Eakin is almost twenty goal scorer, and Alex Tuck is you know been very productive this year. He'll reach fifty and, points for yeah. sure. And and if they're and, and as long as they're rolling. The lines that they're rolling, he's going to continue to get favorable favorable matchups because, I mean, maybe other than the Sharks with like Thornton and depending on what they kind of do with their third line, nobody has anything. I mean, I'll tell you right now, Calgary doesn't have anything close to a third line that's going to match up with with Tuck and Eakin and, you know, whether it's No Sick or Perry or, you know, whoever it might be. So from that standpoint, he's got everything going in his favor. But just in terms of ice time, just in terms of like, you know, hey, I had a really good year, and now all of a sudden I'm, you know, kind of down here on the third line like I was last year. You know, I could see, and, and again, not that he has been out of shape, but if you ever got any grumbling or You're whatever. You're putting yourself in his shoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now now that Dave's thrown a whip blank on all of the, the fun that everyone has, has had around the Golden Knights in their, uh, their run, uh, we talk about the, the lines and how first line has been incredibly productive. They've been pushed by that second line, which I – I wish we need to come up with different names because I feel like the second line is the first line now. But the I think first they're one A, one B with how they're playing yeah. right now because the you know nominal first line of Carlson, Marshall, and Smith has uh, done a lot to try to win that mantle back these last two and, games, and that's what you want. The, the, the internal competition is as good as anything you're, else you're going to get because it's pushing everyone to be better and better. And as you mentioned, Alex Tuck wants to show on the third line that he deserves a top six spot. So like all those things are really good. And the fourth line's four checking hard. Gallant called them out specifically in that yeah. Sharks game of how so important their, their first shift really turned the game around after after the slow start. And Mark Stone pointed that out too. He was like, hey, that fourth line got us going because they were four checking hard. They did a great job keeping the puck in their zone and that's got us going. So that's where they are on offense right now with the forward lines. Defensively, there's a little bit of a developing situation. We, I mean, we've known for a while there's seven defensemen that want to play in those six. Oh, there's you know everybody wants to play. There's seven guys that are kind of there for six spots. We saw the switch made from Merrill to Holden for last game. What did you make of that? And and you know where does the defense stand? I mean, you know, at first glance, I thought it was a move that you know get Holden game, keep him sharp, keep him fresh. You know, nothing against Merrill because I thought he's played well. It's just you know. 
get him in there because you never know when Holden's going to have to step in. You, you have to make sure, you know, especially with the, they only have seven defensemen. You know, before it was eight, you, you could kind of, you know, do some things, flex, flexibility. You could match up certain things. You know, Brad Hunt was effective against certain teams, maybe not as effective against others, you know, things like that. Well, now it's just Holden. So if he's, you know, got to go in there, he's got to go in there for anybody that gets hurt or, you know, whatever it might be. So to give him a, give him a game, you know, keep him sharp, good. What, what I thought was interesting was when we watched the practice today on Wednesday, it looked like Holden was still in that spot. And he was still working the first go-around with Miller. And it looked like Merrill was being worked in as the extra, which I thought was interesting only because I thought Merrill's played really well, you know, kind of in, in the interim leading up to this. I didn't think he'd really done anything, I guess, to, you know, quote-unquote lose his job. I don't know if that's the case. Maybe, you know, we'll see, you know, maybe tomorrow morning skate, obviously, you know, when they play Winnipeg and things like that. But again, I mean, I guess it's probably a good thing that they have the flexibility. You know, you got competition. It's never a bad thing. And if Merrill and Holden are both playing well, you know, that's that's what you want if you're Jargalant. Absolutely. And I do agree that I think it was just a, hey, Holden's a veteran and he needs to play. He had not played in almost a month. Yeah. His last game before this was February 22nd. Well, and he had, he had missed a month, came back, played two, and then started to scratch. I mean, so it's been, I, if I remember correctly, on that timeline, that he only came back and played two games and then Correct. scratched. Yeah, he played on January 21st, didn't play again until February 20th and 22nd, and then has been out until that Sharks game, which was March 18th. So, yeah, basically four games in a two-month span, essentially. Yeah. Or need, three games, really. You need to get them work. And, and you know, you you read into a little bit of what, you know, when, when coaches talk about players, and especially with Gallant, like he always talks about Ryan Carpenter is just doing – he does the right thing. He's always in the right place. He does the right thing. He just makes the right hockey play. And he's kind of said the same thing about Holden a lot too this year. So it just – it feels like he's just very comfortable with him. He's um, a veteran. I think he trusts him and trusts that he knows where to be. But I think he also just really respects what Merrill has brought to this team and kind of the energy and lift that he's given this team as a guy who was not in the lineup every day earlier in the season. Then he plays really well, earns that spot, and I think – you see how well liked he is in the locker room because you know, far and wide, everyone in that locker room has said like we're really happy for John Merrill. We're so excited that he's playing this well that we can't take him out of the lineup. Is there a player that they would they would not say that about? I just feel that's like that's a good question. I'd, I'd like to think like if there's a guy who's like you know a guy that pl- there's not many guys in the locker room that don't play a whole lot, but if there's a guy that's like hey, you know, good for him, I guess. I don't. I don't think there's any of those guys. <laughs> not too many in the NHL like that. I'm sure there are those guys. They just don't. Nobody would ever say it. Yeah, probably. You have to speak around it somehow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wonderful. Uh, he's doing good. Can't believe the ego he's going to develop now. That'd be tremendous. Uh, but you don't hear that very a good, often. Good teammate. So it's ramping up. the 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 home stretch is here. The playoffs on the horizon. One hundred percent chance, according to Ben. That it's Sharks and Knights in the playoffs. That's going to get me in trouble. You want to drop it to like 98? That's I, know what it's it's not, I know it's not your prediction. It's, it's, it's HockeyReference.com. It's 100%. 100%. All based on there are 1,000 simulations a day. Uh, so we will wrap it up. I will go buy tickets, plane tickets right now. We'll uh, we'll start booking booking the trip. Uh, Knights and Sharks. If, if it is that series, that was an incredibly fun game. We'll get to see it again March 30th. And uh, keep it locked. Las Vegas TV Journal. And all of our Twitter accounts to uh, know everything you need to know about what is going on 
with the Golden Knights as the playoffs are on the horizon. The countdown begins. The last 10 games of the season, we are uh, we are approaching that time, and uh, we will let you know what is going on. Follow along. And as we said, Thursday night, a big one against Winnipeg out at T-Mobile Arena. We'll be there, and uh, we will talk to you again very soon. If you have questions, as we said, send them to us on Twitter, email. we got the mailbag. Make sure you watch that. And check out ReviewJournal.com. We will see you next week. Golden Edge Podcast for Dave Shane, Ben Goats, Adam Hill. We'll talk to you later. I think we're going to need a bigger boat. We need a bigger boat. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.